Chapter 1, Prologue Freshman year of college, Marinette's life ended. The summer started well enough. Olya and Nino were sure to invite her to every party they knew of, every music festival and restaurant in the city limits. She spent the first month not thinking about anything but fun, and certainly not of a certain blonde model who had run away to New York. High school was over, and her biggest worries were behind her. Hawkmoth had surrendered his miraculous just a few weeks before graduation. Chat had been the one to find the butterfly pin, and the brief note clasped to it. What do we do now? she'd asked him, her nerves leaking out through her alter ego. Chat shrugged, his expression more closed off than she'd ever seen it. I guess we won. That was the last time anyone had heard from Chat Noir. He stopped responding to her calls, stopped showing up for press conferences and little kids' birthday parties. It wasn't until a week or so into the summer that Marinette worked up the courage to patrol by herself. Even then, he was a phantom limb, a reminder of her failure to keep him. With Hawkmoth out of the way, the criminals who had earlier stayed in the shadows started coming out into the sunlight. The number of armed assaults shot through the roof, and the drug trade flourished in the absence of Hawkmoth's overbearing grasp. Paris took a turn for the worse, and Ladybug had to change with it. Too often her sheets had been ruined by stubborn wounds, too often her ticky had to work tirelessly over fractured bones and internal bleeding. But through all the secrecy, the deceptions, the lies that pained her to speak, her parents had stayed by her side. It was late July when they, too, were ripped away from her. Marinette had woken up at Ulya's, hungover and bleary-eyed, to a dozen missed calls from Sabrina's dad, Officer Raincompryx. Hey, kid, he'd said, his heavy tone-like lead in Marinette's stomach, you need to get down here. They were on a date, he told her. The walking sign was green, and so they went to cross. They didn't hear the electric car barreling toward them, driven by an intoxicated college kid. Papa had tried to shield Marmon, but there was nothing they could do. When he brought her into the morgue, Marinette took one look at them and promptly, didn't cry. They were bodies, yes, but she saw bodies every day. They were no different than the other bodies littered through Paris streets. If anything, their death was a wake-up call. Not that she couldn't save everyone, but that she had to try a thousand times harder. She didn't invite any of her friends to their funeral. Her grandparents came to say their goodbyes, to console her with casseroles and empty promises. She smiled tightly and hugged them each before they boarded the plane home. Then there was the bakery to think about. She had to put up help-wanted posters, come up with new recipes, keep up with their social media pages so business didn't plummet. The worst part was calling the university she'd pledged to attend, speaking the words that might as well have been her damnation. I'd like to switch my major from fashion design to business management. Olya had called her right afterwards, completely oblivious to the rug that had been pulled out from under her feet. Hey girl, you coming out with us tonight? Another time, said Marinette. That became her mantra whenever anyone asked her to do something not ladybug or bakery related. Because the city was her legacy, her parents' business was her legacy. 
she would do anything to protect what little she had left. Freshman year of college, Adrian's life began. As soon as he walked down the steps of the school stage, diploma clutched in his hand, he breathed his first real breath. His father wasn't there, and neither was Natalie. He'd never felt safer. When he'd stumbled upon his father descending a secret elevator just a few weeks before, Adrian hadn't stopped scouring the house until he found what he was looking for, the Peacock Miraculous, and the Book of Spells Master Fu had lost so long ago. After that, catching his father in the act had been easy. Gabriel Agrest had gotten too comfortable with the Butterfly Miraculous, and it made him sloppy. Adrian had snatched it off his father's pyjamas in the middle of the night, his own miraculous allowing for stealth and speed. He'd forged a note, proclaiming surrender, before leaping out the window to track down Ladybug. Halfway to their meeting point, his brain finally caught up with the situation. His father was Hawkmoth. His father was very nearly a mass murderer, hunting down Parisians ruthlessly for the past five years. How could he face Ladybug how could he fight alongside her knowing his ignorance was the cause of the city's pain? So he gave her the miraculous and decided to never take up the mantle of Chat Noir again. Besides, there would be no reason for either of them to use their miraculous. Hawkmoth was no longer an issue. The next morning, though, Adrian had never seen his father so irate. Gabriel barged into his room with raised fists, demanding to know what had happened to his precious pin. Where is it, you foolish boy, he ground out through his teeth, fingers tightening in Adrian's collar. What have you done with it? Years ago, Adrian might have told him the truth, might have done anything to win back his father's approval, to keep Gabriel from taking out his wrath on him. But he only blinked, tilted his head, and said, I think we should go to New York for the summer. A week later, Gabriel Agrest was declared clinically insane by the Parisian government. Natalie did what she could to keep the diagnosis under wraps. Adrian did what he could to leave his friends entirely out of the loop. If anything, they might think his father had whisked him away for a fashion show. Not that Adrian was admitting Gabriel to the best psychiatric hospital money could buy. Still, once he'd started his, late, college search, his mind kept going back to Paris, to the friends and memories that would forever be in the city. The stuff with Hawkmoth had blown over. Maybe he could go back without the shroud of guilt coating his every movement. He'd enrolled in the university's business management program, and texted Nino with the news. When he looked up from his phone, Adrian smiled for the first time that summer. He was free. Chapter 2 more espresso, more depresso. Two hours in, and Marinette could barely keep her eyes open. It didn't help that the professor kept giving her a death glare every five minutes, his beady eyes comically large behind his glasses. Peaced. Olia jabbed an elbow into her side. You in there, Marie? I should have had more coffee, she groaned. Olia rubbed her back soothingly and the action was so like Marmon's that Marinette jolted upright. I'll text Nino and have him meet us at the cafe after class. Maybe you can explain to me what exactly this guy's trying to say, she added, 
tapping her pen on the full-length essay that was Marinette's notes. It wasn't that Marinette was passionate about business. The only thing she found passion in these days was Ladybug, and even that got draining. But Marinette was no quitter, and if her parents had entrusted her with a bakery, then she was going to run that bakery perfectly. And, if anyone tried to take it from her, she'd have a business degree to rub in their face. Marinette narrowed her gaze in Olya's direction, watching her fingers drum at the edge of her notebook. You're hiding something, she realized. Olya's eyes went buggy, and she shook her head. I would never. You are. Marinette shifted in her seat to face her, chin resting on her fist. And you're going to crack and tell me in five, four, three, two. Olya pressed her lips together tightly, her posture completely stiff. I don't know what you're talking about. Rolling her eyes, Marinette let it go. There were only a few minutes left in class, after all, and it wouldn't be long before Olya did let something slip. She jotted down the last of her notes before the professor finally finished the lecture. Even though it was less than a mile from the bakery, the university campus felt like another world. Marinette let out a breath of relief as a breeze shook the trees lining her path, sending leaves and strands of hair flying in her face. She had very little time to stay in her civilian identity, so every moment mattered. Olya chatted her ear off on the way to the cafe, talking about Ladybug's recent escapades. She broke up the Taurus smuggling ring last week, and they're pissed about it. Now the other gangs are scrambling to tighten security and stuff. Marinette scoffed. And you know all this. The later blog doesn't update itself, Olya said matter-of-factly. Someone has to report to the press about what's going on. And someone has to keep tabs on Ladybug. The whole city's scared for her. She's a superhero. She's supposed to deal with criminal stuff. Yeah, but she had chat. Now that he's gone. She's on her own. Olya frowned, then, clutching the straps of her backpack. There's still no news of him, lately. Ladybug doesn't mention him, either. Marinette cracked her knuckles, the words sticking to her throat. He left, he chose to leave, and Ladybug is fine alone. But she wasn't her preteen self anymore. She knew better than to speak passionately about Paris superheroes, especially now that she didn't have a partner backing her up. They arrived at the cafe in record time thanks to Olya's speed walking. Nino was already waiting for them at their favourite booth, pressed up against the window. As Olya slid in next to her boyfriend, Marinette dropped her backpack on the floor. She twisted, and her entire spine cracked. What the heck, Marie? Nino was gaping at her, his phone screen momentarily turned down. You're a freaking glow stick, I swear. I wish. She raised an eyebrow at Olya, who was already curled around Nino's arm. Do you want anything, she asked, jabbing a thumb at the bar behind her. Olya shook her head and pumped her fist in the air. Go get that caffeine, girl. It felt like the entire cafe was looking at Marinette as she slipped sheepishly to the back of the line. Olya had a way of raising her voice in the worst of situations, but everyone at their high school had been aware of the fact. 
Here, where no one knew them, they were the outcasts. And maybe that was a good thing. For starters, her classmates had yet to notice her hasty escapes from long lectures. The schedule for armed robberies happened to conflict with her Tuesday-Thursday classes, though, which was turning into a real inconvenience. Half delirious, she wondered if she could set up a sort of criminal calendar so she could work around it. By the time she ordered her drink and returned to their table, Marinette had to lean against the booth's edge to stay upright. Olya and Nino were giggling at something on his phone, so neither of them noticed her easy smile drop for a few seconds. She'd spent months on her own, but the tiredness still killed her. It was as if gravity itself was plotting against her, lulling her to sleep every chance it got. When it was especially bad, Tiki would wake her up. Usually, the Kwame stayed out of sight, though, particularly on the campus. Olya and Nino had gone silent, and Marinette blinked at them. What? she asked. Something warm and hard pinned her arms to her waist then picked her up and spun her around the cafe. Marinette shrieked, her laughter warring with her panic. Someone knows, they found out, they caught me, they'll take my miraculous. Surprise! Marinette's blood turned to ice, and she stopped thrashing. Because that was Adrian's voice, warm and raspy, just as radiant as the rest of him. He put her down, and she whipped around to face him. The last time she'd seen him was at graduation, where he managed to make a shapeless black robe look like runway material. He'd shot up a few more impossible inches, shoulders broad through his button-up shirt, and that infectious grin still gracing his full lips. His hair was a bit shaggier than before, but it added to his whole I don't care what anyone says look. There was no denying he was attractive. But Marinette couldn't bring herself to smile. Hey, Adrian, she said quietly, crossing her arms. I didn't realize you were enrolled here. Adrian laughed, and it was tight, unsure. Ah, oh, yeah, my father let me pick a school, and I wanted to be around the coolest people I know. It's really good to see you, he tried again, clearly phased by her dry reaction. Eight shot Americano for Marinette, called out the barista. Marinette moved to respond but Adrian shot up a hand and another bright grin. I got it. As he walked back to the bar, Olya stood and wrenched Marinette by the arm. Girl, she whisper yelled. I thought you'd be excited to see him. I mean, look at the boy. The truth was, Marinette's crush on Adrian had faded over senior year. It became clear that their friendship was only that a friendship. And while she was usually grateful for his solid presence, he had left her at the same time Chat had. They might not have been the same boy, but they both had an uncanny way of breaking her heart. She didn't have time to chase after that sort of stuff, anyway. The bakery and Ladybug kept her more than busy enough. Marinette shrugged her off, brow furrowed. I liked him sophomore year, yeah, but he ditched us, Olya. Not so much as a goodbye. Then she caught Nino's guilty look and braced her arms on the table. Did he tell you he was leaving? He might have mentioned it, but I didn't think you'd care, said Nino. He was always running off to photo shoots during the school year, so I didn't see how it was much different. 
It was the whole summer. Olya propped a hand on her hip, tossing thick hair off her shoulder. Though her brow was slightly pinched, it would take days for Olya to admit she was wrong. Ah, whatever. He had obligations to worry about. I can understand that. Honest, Marie, I figured you'd be the first to understand that. Obligations. Marinette had plenty of obligations to attend to, but that didn't mean she ditched her friends. She plastered on a content expression and picked up her backpack. Fair enough. I don't know if I can stay, though. My professors are trying to kill me, I know it. Here's your coffee, Marie. Adrian's nose was wrinkled in distaste, and he held the paper cup as if it were a strain of Covid. How can you drink this stuff black? Careful not to let it spill, Marinette took it from him, ignoring the jolt of energy from where her hands brushed against his. I'm a woman of many talents. She kissed Olya's cheek, waving to Nino. I'll see you guys around. Adrian raised his hand, too, but Marinette was already headed for the door. Her heart pounded erratically against her ribcage, demanding she catch one last look of him. Teeth gritted, she continued down the quad, repressing those impulses. There was no point in indulging girlish hopes, not with so much at stake. Already she could hear sirens in the distance, taste the asphalt and smoke in the city air. She'd have to bring her homework on patrol, as much as it pained her to admit. The only nice thing about chat being gone was the lack of distractions, the assurance she could actually get some work done. Once she was off campus, Tiki flew out of her bag to sit on her shoulder, hidden by the waves of her hair. You okay, Marinette, she asked gently. I'm fine, Tiki, promise. She poured as much sincerity into her voice as she could, desperate to put the tiny god at ease. Do you need any more cookies before patrol? I'm expecting it to be rougher than usual. Because Olya was right the Torres had been scattered to the wind, and they'd be looking for revenge. As long as you stay safe, I'm good. Tiki patted her cheek once, then zipped away. The bakery traffic was slower in the afternoon, and Marinette peeked in to make sure her employees were all right. The two girls appeared completely fine, so she continued up to her apartment. The space felt too big for her. There were supposed to be two other people living downstairs, teasing her for having so much schoolwork, demanding to meet the boy who'd stolen her heart. She remembered what her father had told her in eighth grade, the first time she'd confessed to liking Adrian. Just know, Marie, that a boy is not your whole world. If he does anything to hurt you, you can always turn to us. That was a lie because when the world came crashing down, the only person she had to turn to was herself. The one certainty in her life was her strength, her will. Right now, it was the only thing keeping her afloat. Tiki, spots on. Her skin tingled as the suit molded itself to her body, smoothing out any aches and pains of the day and replacing it with cold, hard steel. She was a monster for criminals to fear a lifeboat for civilians to cling to. She was Ladybug, and she would not be held back. As she headed for her room, though, she caught sight of the crumpled posters scattered around her trash can. She'd torn them off her walls after Adrian left, 
satisfied to leave him in the past just like he left her. It didn't stop her heart from tightening in her chest, her breathing shallow and unsteady. Not for Adrian, but for the innocence she'd once carried with her. The innocence that had been snuffed out by abandonment and grief. Marinette knew she'd never get that innocence back, and she couldn't tell if that was a gift or a tragedy. Chapter 3 I Don't Think I'm the Drama Something was off. Sitting across from Nino and Olya felt like a dream come true. Nino was rambling on about his music technology class, and Olya was jumping in with excited comments about the projects he was working on. Adrian felt like he'd been plucked up from his disaster of a life and transported back in time to high school, when his biggest worries were grades and making a fool of himself. On the outside, he was everything an aggressed representative should be calm, satisfied, mildly detached. But his mind wouldn't let him forget Marinette. He'd forgotten how gorgeous she was. Her inky hair had grown out in waves well past her shoulder blades, her outfit meticulously arranged and perfectly coordinated. Before he'd revealed himself, she had been leaning against the table, her features set in gentle contentment. There had been, something between them in high school. A not-quite relationship that neither of them were bold enough to explore. If he was being honest, it had been completely his fault. He'd been too caught up in the stress of chat noir, and of pleasing his father, to put any effort towards getting to know her better. Sure, they hung out as a group with Olya and Nino, but he always felt cheated out of something. Maybe I cheated out of time with her. When he picked her up, she gasped and squealed like they were in high school, and something in his chest had warmed at the sound. But once she heard his voice, her entire body went rigid. The worst part was facing her. Gone was the eager smile, the permanent blush. There were shadows under her eyes that hadn't been there before, and her scowl was slight but fierce. Hey, Adrian, she said, and his stomach dropped. Half of him wanted to believe she had a bad day, but Marinette had never spoken to him so hollowly. There was an emptiness to her voice that hadn't existed in high school. It took every polite bone in his body not to ask what had happened to her. The table rattled beneath his arm, and he jerked his head up. What? Are you on something? Nino asked. You've been staring at Olya for the past five minutes. I'll let you know it's getting hard to repress my inner alpha and clear you. Adrian snorted. Clart. What, are you British now? Brits are hot. At the silence, Olya tore her gaze from her phone and raised an eyebrow. Disagree with me, I dare you. Leaning back in the booth, Adrian toyed with his knuckles. Is something up with Marie, he asked them, somewhat hesitantly. She seems different. Olya tapped a pencil against her lips and braced her notebook against the table edge. She's busy, like the rest of us. We spent the first month of summer partying like there's no tomorrow but guess what there was a tomorrow, and now it's kicking our butts. Huffing, she scrawled something in the margins. Plus, her parents retired, so she's running a small business on top of classes. She's the definition of girl boss. Her parents retired? Adrian crossed his arms, brow furrowed. They loved the bakery. 
Why would they put so much on Marinette while she's in school? Nino picked up his headphones from around his neck, setting them halfway on his head. Dude, we know as much as we do. You know Marie doesn't like to talk about herself much. But Olya sat up a little straighter, steepling her fingers over her homework. Why are you so interested? She's my friend, I'm concerned, Adrian said as dryly as he could. Gabriel had trained him well in hiding emotion, with an incredulous sigh, Olya went back to studying. Since he hadn't brought any work, Adrian left them to their assignments. Most students were in afternoon classes or one of the cafeterias, so the quad was nearly empty. Adrian wandered under the branches of the massive oak trees rarities this deep into the city. It wasn't long before he felt a familiar weight on the back of his neck, tiny fists gripping the back of his hair. You already know what I'm going to say. Chat noir isn't needed anymore, plague, murmured Adrian. I'll end up doing more harm than good. Kid, you gotta stop beating yourself up for that. Plague's tone was little more than a vicious growl. Your father was a monster we get it, but a superhero's work is never done. Besides, if you actually wanted to quit, you'd give up the miraculous. Adrian stopped spinning his silver ring, jaw tensing. There was another reason he couldn't give it up, one he wouldn't dare mention to Plague. Giving up the miraculous would mean handing it over to Ladybug. And even if he didn't expose his identity in the process, even if he left a note like he'd done for Gabriel's miraculous, she would see him as a coward. He couldn't take that. Though Ladybug had never returned his feelings, she would always be the love of his life, as childish as it was. Maybe it was because, in the darkest of times, she was there. When Gabriel yelled at him so loudly his ears rang, there was a patrol to do, banter to be had. She was his asylum. He didn't want to do anything to taint those memories. Slipping his hands in his pant pockets, he kicked an acorn at the tree trunk. Give it a rest. I'm not going back. Then why am I still here? Adrian paled at his anguished tone, shoulders stiffening. Gently, he grabbed Plague from the base of his neck, holding him tactfully in both hands so no passers-by could see. The Kwame's cheeks were wet. Plague, what's wrong? Plague hissed, and it looked like it pained him. You, idiot, he spat. You left her here and you're not doing anything to help her. Who? Ladybug's Kwame. Plague rubbed furiously at his eyes. Without Hawkmoth Sukumas, there's nothing for Ladybug to purify anymore. Her Kwame isn't used to leaving destruction behind. It's torturing her. Cold swept down Adrian's spine like a wave. Ladybug's still patrolling. I can only sense her Kwame, Adrian, Plague confessed. She might be like me feeling helpless, unused. I doubt Ladybug is going to go out on her own. But you have to let me go to her Kwame and make sure everything's okay. Please. It had been years since Plague had used that word. Begging was far from Plague's go-to and it stunned Adrian a moment. Okay, sure, he said at last. As long as you check on Ladybug, to make sure she's alright. A snarl of annoyance vibrated out of the little cat, but he nodded. 
If you say so, he grumbled, immediately flying out of his grasp. Adrian frowned after him, shaking his hands a bit. Things had been tense between them since they'd relocated to New York. At first, Plague had been understanding. It wasn't until August, when he realized Adrian truly didn't plan on transforming again, that the animosity began. It started with a slice of camembert hidden in his sock drawer. Then it was the piles of toilet paper rolled out of the tube, the dishes pushed off the counter, the sheets torn to shreds. The Kwame had never acted so violently, so blatantly. It took Adrian a while to get him to stop by withholding cheese, not enough to starve him, just enough to frustrate his ego. And whenever Adrian tried to explain why he didn't transform, why he couldn't, he always got the same response. Grow up, Plague told him. There's more to life than your problems. Adrian pushed a hand through his hair, blowing out a long breath. He didn't really want to go back to his empty house, but he also didn't want to sit in the library. It had been a while since he'd been down by the Seine, though. He surged forward, pushing Plague's anger to the back of his mind. Paris truly was beautiful in the fall. The trees on the sidewalks had exploded into orange and red hues. Adrian caught a yellow leaf being carried off by the wind, twirling the stem between his fingertips for a long minute. Years had passed since he'd been without his Kwame for more than an hour. It felt, not scary, but definitely odd. As much as it annoyed him to admit, he missed getting along with the god. The Seine was as murky as he remembered, the summer tourists having left plenty of gunk in the river. He was only recognized by three fans on the way which was a feat in itself. The last one enjoyed feeling up his bicep a bit more than he was comfortable with, though. Adrian knew his body had changed since modelling in high school, but he didn't like the way he was usually reminded of it. In New York, with Natalie devoted to Gabriel's side, he often found himself alone in their American apartment. He spent most of that time in the gym, trying to ignore the black hole of regret taking up the entirety of his stomach. Usually chat noir was his outlet, but without it, he had to look for something new. Weights were as good as any other hobby. He also figured he'd need some sort of job to keep him busy. The university classes weren't that difficult this semester, and if he was honest with himself, he kind of missed modeling. He missed creating something that wasn't a problem. The cobblestone below his feet was cracked and uneven so he spent most of his attention trying not to scuff his boots. He'd only been walking for twenty minutes when he heard noises above his head, and he froze in his tracks up on the street, a man was panting shallowly, the fear palpable on his breath. Adrian couldn't see him, but the hero instinct was ingrained in his bones. He sprinted for the staircase leading off the riverbank. What about this one? Adrian's pace faltered at her voice. It wasn't the strong, positive resonance he'd gotten so used to. No, Ladybug's words were scraped off the deepest pits of hell. Have you seen this one? I told you, we don't get to see the girls. Another whimper echoed from the mouth of the alleyway, and Adrian glanced down the empty street. Apart from him, there was no one around to witness it. Can you get that thing away from me already? Ladybug sounded mockingly patient. Their parents are waiting for them to come home. 
this little guy stays here until you tell me where they are. And if you don't, I can always call more of his friends. A terse, heavy silence fell, and Adrian held his breath. He'd managed to get close enough to press his back against one of the storefronts, but not far enough to peek into the alley. If he had them, said the man, trembling, he'll try to transport them. He'll use the port at the south end. But you'll let me go, right? I can I can get information for you, I'll be your mole, whatever you want. Adrian gathered up enough courage to peer into the scene, and the wind got knocked out of him. There was a crisply styled man pinned against the wall, his entire body cocooned by Ladybug's yo-yo. He was cringing away from the red, black-spotted spider crawling down the lapels of his blazer. He looked more like a middle-aged divorcee than a criminal, but Ladybug's stormy expression spoke otherwise. Her costume had changed. Gone was the childish spandex, and in its place, an armoured bodysuit. The pattern was the same, but her arms, legs, and chest were sculpted with some sort of protective gear. Even the curve of her lips had changed from confident zeal to hardened scrutiny. She jerked her hand, and the man groaned as the yo-yo bent him forward. I don't make deals with traffickers, she hissed. Her first flew up faster than Adrian could track it. The man slumped forward, and Ladybug caught him on one shoulder, undoing her yo-yo. The spider was already scaling the wall, spindly legs testing the brick for its next foothold. You're not supposed to be here, she said at last. She turned before he could move, fixing him with a cold stare. He could have seen you, and then where would we be? Ladybug. His voice failed him. He couldn't believe that she was here, that she was fighting a battle they'd already won. There was no reason for this, no reason to interrogate high-level criminals in back alleys. That's what the police were for. Their miraculous had endowed them with magical abilities meant to fight magical battles. Gritty crime was no place for miraculous wielders, especially not social pillars like Ladybug and Chat Noir. Just as his anger reached its peak, Ladybug shook her head at him. You can't walk into an open interrogation like that, Mr. Agrest. The use of his last name made Adrian wince. The next time you hear me, look the other way. You don't want people like him, she hefted the man onto her shoulder, knowing your face. Her show of strength made him blink, pushing down the emotion that threatened to fill his chest. But there's no more Akumas. Blowing out an exasperated breath, Ladybug shouldered past him. The criminal's arms swayed toward the ground. Your point? What else do you have to fight? Paris has changed since you've been gone. She pulled her yo-yo off her hip, eyes fixed on the horizon and nowhere near him. The villains I fight aren't as fun to watch, but they're just as dangerous worse, sometimes. I'm more durable than the police force, my miraculous lets me handle more. They stay safe, and I still have a purpose. So the next time you see me in the middle of an interrogation, she shot him an icy look, don't interrupt. She shot off without another word, yo-yo catapulting her and the unconscious criminal into the air. Adrian watched her swing into downtown, a lump growing in his throat. He didn't want to believe that Plague was right, because if Plague was right, and he truly had left Ladybug without good reason, 
he wouldn't be able to live with himself. But what he'd seen, what he'd heard, the empty shadows flickering in Ladybug's sapphire eyes. It was nothing like he'd seen from her before. Why hadn't she stopped? Why hadn't she just put away the miraculous and called enough enough? Because she's Ladybug, because she won't give up and no one can make her give up. Not even a certain black cat who can't recognize the supervillain who raised him. All this time, while Adrian had been fighting his guilt, Ladybug had been fighting something significantly worse humanity. He was an idiot. Chapter 4 Alexa Play Weird All the Time Go by Dr. Dog Marinette sucked in a sharp breath through her teeth. The stinging in her back subsided. You okay, Marinette? asked Tiki. Keep going, she said, gripping the edge of the counter. The back of her shirt was pulled up over her head, exposing the asphalt burn striping down her spine. Can't let it heal with all the gravel in there. She tried for a laugh, but it broke at the end. Find something to distract yourself with. Tiki went back to picking out the rocks, and Marinette bit down on her lip. There was a pile of dough sitting between her hands, waiting to be prepared for tomorrow's breakfast rush. She started kneading it, slow and steady enough to let Tiki work undisturbed. The girls had closed up the shop, so it was her job to prep everything for the morning. Besides, it was her fault for hanging onto the back of that semi. She lassoed it with her yo-yo, but the driver caught on and reversed. She couldn't get out of the way in time and ended up getting dragged beneath the truck. It didn't help that the truck had been a decoy, and the girls were still missing. It wasn't the first time she'd been injured. She only wished she'd found them in the process. I missed something, she muttered, the dough oozing between her fingers. We missed something. Where's my phone? Tiki patted her shoulder. One thing at a time, Marinette. There's no more gravel, but I need to clean it out. Marinette nodded, bracing herself for the rubbing alcohol. In the beginning, it had been more painful. The adrenaline coursing through her bloodstream was gradually becoming a natural part of her, always prepared to protect her. When Tiki was done, she pulled Marinette's shirt down. Okay, all cleaned and bandaged. I'll have it healed up by morning. Marinette hooked her finger in a jar of cookies, dragging it across the counter. You're a godsend, Tiki. Eat up, take a breather. We'll need more energy for tomorrow. Those poor kids. Tiki sniffed, floating over to the jar slower than Marinette would have liked. If her lucky charm wasn't fueled by the Kwame's powers, she would spend all day in costume. But there was Tiki to think about, and she was taking as much of a beating as Marinette. Careful not to jostle her bandages, Marinette snatched her phone off the counter edge. She ignored Olya's new texts and opened the lady blog. During patrol, she didn't have the option of focusing on anything besides the action. The next hit, the next dodge, the next bad guy to bring into the station. She'd brought a dozen in tonight, but it still wasn't enough. The girls went home. Olya, on the other hand, took video footage. The first few were mundane, but she zoomed in on the last one. While she was getting hauled off by the decoy truck, another semi disappeared down a parallel street. 
Even Olya didn't notice it, too preoccupied focusing her shot on Ladybug. The girls were on that one, they had to be. Paris police had shut down the port last night, but it was opening back up tomorrow evening. Marinette had until then to get them to safety. Tiki put down her cookie to sit on Marinette's phone screen. Let's head to bed, hum. We won't be any help without some good rest. You can head up, I need to wrap this dough. She slipped her phone into her pocket, avoiding Tiki's raised eyebrow. The Kwame knew better than to leave her alone, but Marinette knew Tiki, too. Go sleep, you're exhausted. I'll be up in a second. Promise. Alone, Marinette put away the dough and started scrubbing the countertops. Her employees had hearts of gold, but none of them could keep up with her parents' standards. She didn't mind it, though. With how much time she had to spend away from the bakery, it was nice to clean it up every night. Nice to feel like her life hadn't changed as much as it had. Just as she finished, her phone went off. She dried off her hands before she answered. Hello? A groan. Are you coming to pick me up or not? Marinette wrinkled her nose. She could smell the alcohol on Chloe's breath through the phone. I'll be there in five. Hanging up, she darted upstairs for a coat. Tiki was a red blob on the couch, snoring softly against the cushions. Marinette left her a brief note before heading out. At the start of the summer, Marinette spent nearly every night in a club. Olya and Nina were usually the only ones she'd go with, but sometimes they ran into Chloe. Chloe, who had no one to walk home with and didn't care to take any sort of precautions. The second she'd realized Chloe was navigating Paris streets alone, Marinette volunteered her phone number. I don't care what time it is, she said, holding her ground against Chloe's disgusted glare. If you don't have a ride home, if you don't know where you are, you call me. Surprisingly, Chloe had called her a few days later, and it had continued from there. They still didn't like each other, and probably never would, but maybe that was for the best. It made leaving her at Le Grand Paris that much easier. Marinette found Chloe at the center of Piggle, her yellow top easy to pick out amidst the crowd. At the sight of Marinette, the bouncers smiled and immediately parted. Most of them knew her by now. She squeezed through the mass of bodies, nose wrinkled in disgust at the smell of sweat and vomit. Chloe laughed at her, movements too loose to be sober. You're pathetic, she crooned. Come on. Grabbing her by the forearms, Marinette guided her toward the doors. The music was pounding in her skull, setting her teeth on edge. Anything mixed with alcohol usually led to a bad situation, and without Tiki nearby, she didn't want to get involved. They were almost outside when she glanced toward the bar and did a double take. Adrian? He straightened on the barstool, bracing his arm on the table as if to block the sight of three empty glasses. There was a nearly empty one in his other hand, which he raised toward her. Hey! His bottle green eyes had gone glassy, blonde hair in wisps around his temples. The driver was drunk, they didn't see him coming. Right next to her ear, Chloe squealed. Adrikins, she sang, leaning heavily on Marinette's arm. 
we don't call you anymore. Come over for a sleepover, she added, lurching in his direction. Marinette caught and pulled her back. I have to get her home, she said lamely. Her mouth was dry, heart fluttering in sorrow. In high school, Adrian had never been a drinker. He'd been above that one of the reasons she'd liked him so much. But now that he was slumped over a sticky counter, he reminded her of every other man she had to bring into the station at this time of night. Men were bitter, stupid drunks, and Adrian was already towing the line. With a start, she realized she was angry with him. Even though she had no right to be. Adrian just nodded, taking a sip from his drink. Yeah. You should do that. There are classes tomorrow, she added, unable to repress the shock in her voice. He wiped a hand down his face, ring glinting in the lead strobe lights coming from the dance floor. Yeah, I know, he murmured, tapping a finger against his glass. The amber liquid was almost gone, now. Had some things to get off my mind. Marinette narrowed her eyes, remembering the way he'd looked at her down at the harbour. Sure, she'd been Ladybug, but it was still her. He hadn't even been able to form words, to tell her what was written all over his features, that he was disappointed with her. At the start, he hadn't been alone. Plenty of Parisian citizens were frustrated that Ladybug had turned from a beacon of magical escapades that didn't hurt anyone to a sort of vigilante. The miraculous Ladybug no longer worked, so the damage was always permanent. Her methods had to take a darker turn, her ability to interact and share with the public was restricted significantly. She wasn't dealing with fairy tale villains anymore. Get home safe, she told him, leading Chloe out onto the sidewalk. The walk to Le Grand Paris was uneventful, though she had to shush Chloe on several occasions. You should come out with me next time, Chloe proclaimed to the streets, tilting this way and that on her stilettos. You were so much fun when you didn't care. And you're a loud drunk, Marinette murmured. The truth was, Chloe was right. She was much more fun before she started taking responsibility. Chloe leaned a bit too far to one side and grabbed at Marinette for balance. Her nails caught on Marinette's back, and she let out an unintentional yelp. Stunned, Chloe let go, falling flat on her ass. And you call me loud, she demanded. What's wrong with you? What happened to your back, anyway? You're walking all stiff. Marinette was convinced that, if Chloe had been sober, she would have weaseled a confession out of her ladybug and all. Lucky for her, Chloe was already distracted by a piece of trash blowing through the gutter. Come on, Marinette said and hauled her to her feet. The doorman took Chloe off her hands with a grateful look. Her father's been worried sick, he told her. Marinette smiled tightly back, not believing it for a second. If Mayor Bourgeois was truly concerned for his daughter's partying habits, he'd send a car to pick her up, or a bodyguard to monitor her. But this was part of the game she played with Chloe. Because when they were both sober, they lied to each other. Chloe made up a story about how her father took her on an expensive outing, just the two of them. Marinette described a new pastry she'd invented with her parents. They huffed and crossed their arms and scowled the whole while, but everything was a lie, 
and both of them knew it. It was an inversion of opening up to another person, and it made their secrets at least bearable. When she finally stepped foot in her apartment, Marinette heard Tiki's raised voice. Tiki, she called, rushing for the living room. Tiki flew up to meet her, looking more irate than Marinette had ever seen her. Did you get her home okay? she asked, her tone as distant as her gaze. Yeah, she's fine. I'm sorry, she added, hoping to erase the tension in Tiki's countenance. Are you angry with me? Tiki blinked, and the annoyance faded. No, no I'm just, I was thinking about stuff and sort of thought myself into a dark place. But everything's good. Are you going to bed? At last, she said. Then, when Tiki made no move to follow her up the stairs, I'll see you up there. As she changed into pyjamas and brushed her teeth, Marinette couldn't get Adrian's face out of her head. First confused by her reaction, then disappointed by Ladybug, and then drunk. She wasn't going to blame herself for changing or blame Ladybug for adapting to the environment. She had to change, and Adrian had to leave. That's how it happened, and nothing they did now would alter that. Why had he come back to Paris? Why hadn't he stayed in whatever place he ran off to and left her alone? Sometimes she wished Chatnor had stuck around so she had someone to vent to. Even when he knew nothing about the situation, he had a way of understanding her, of comforting her with just his presence. Marinette made it a point not to have any regrets, but she regretted rejecting Chat. Because maybe if she hadn't, he would have stuck around for her. Maybe then, the days wouldn't be so gruelling. Chapter 5 I Don't Make Deals with Peasants Adrian slipped into the back row of the lecture hall, his head throbbing. It was only partly from the hangover. When he'd woken up to his alarm, Plag was three inches away from his nose. Morning, sleeping beauty, he said. Morning. Adrian sat up in a pile of blankets, rubbing his forehead. It was foggy, but he remembered seeing Marinette from the bar. He didn't remember much, just that he didn't want to remember anything. Then again, her perception of him couldn't have gotten any worse. It wasn't that he was an alcoholic or anything. Sometimes he just needed a break from reality, a break from Natalie's incessant emails and Gabriel's vicious threats. Their American apartment had a fully stocked bar, and one thing led to another. It wasn't a problem it was a solution to the problems. Still, he didn't like the fact Marinette had seen him. There was a thin layer of shame coating his skin. I found Ladybug's Kwame. Adrian squinted up, the sunlight like needles in his eyes. Yeah? She's been fighting alone for months, the little god hissed. Months. And when she asked why I left her, why we left her, the only person I could blame was myself. I should have taken that miraculous off your finger at the start of all that New York nonsense and found someone who actually cared about protecting Ladybug. His words were like an ice bath. Adrian shot to his feet, taking a staggering step in Plague's direction. I do care, you know I care. It's because I care about her that I left. I didn't notice that my own father was Hawkmoth for years. You were a kid. Yeah, I was. 
but I was also a miraculous wielder. I was the protector of Paris, but I wasn't smart enough to do it well. Ladybug was. And Ladybug should have been smart enough to hang up the mantle when the Akumas disappeared. His throat was rough, his voice cracking on every other word. Plag folded his arms, tail lashing anxiously. Do you know what Ladybug was doing last month? Bringing down a major drug ring. Do you know what we did last month? Moped around an American apartment. Adrian bowed his head, interlacing his fingers around his neck. Plag sighed, his next words gentle. I get it, okay. You did what you had to protect yourself. But enough time has passed. It's time to get back into it, before Ladybug burns out. It was the closest to agreement they'd come in a long time, but the indecision was only adding to his hangover. The room got packed quickly, and Adrian pulled his ball cap further over his eyes. The last thing he needed was to be recognized right now, bleary-eyed and unshaven. He opened his messenger bag and pulled out his books, preparing himself for the long lecture ahead. Is anyone sitting here? He blinked up at Marinette, who looked just as stunned. Rolling her lips together, she glanced over the room pointedly. It's the last one, she said quietly. No, you can sit. Of course. He rushed to move his stuff under his chair, cursing himself for not clearing the space sooner. She was dressed perfectly as always, in a sleeveless blouse and black slacks. He wished he hadn't gone for an inconspicuous, stained sweatshirt. What's your major? she asked. Adrian could tell it was only to be polite. But he wanted to repair whatever had grown between them in his absence, so he flashed her an oblivious smile. Business management. Gotta have something to back up my claim to the aggressed company besides blood, right? She nodded thoughtfully, though her expression shuddered. That makes sense. What's yours? Something to do with fashion, I hope, he pressed, nudging her with his elbow. Brushing hair away from her eyes, Marinette gave him a hesitant smile. No, it's um, same as yours, actually. I have a bakery now. Nino was telling me about that, Adrian said. What are your parents doing with their retirement? She froze, her entire posture turning to stone. An alarm went off in his head, telling him he'd done something terribly wrong, but the professor started talking. Both of them were too preoccupied by taking notes on economic principles to return to the conversation. Near the end of the talk, the professor finally started to ask questions. Okay, so we've looked at economic consequences, but can anyone give me an example of a more modern economic consequence they've witnessed recently? There were a few hesitant hands. The first student said, ah, inflation. Everyone laughed, but the professor wasn't convinced. That's a cop-out answer, son. Anyone else? A modern example of economic consequence. Another hand went up. Chat Noir's disappearance, said the girl. A hush fell over the students, a quiet you settling over their open notebooks. Adrian shifted slightly lower in his seat. The professor started drawing a diagram on the whiteboard, 
writing Chat Noir's disappearance at the top. Okay, so we have our action, he stabbed his marker toward the words, Chat Noir's disappearance. So, what has that action caused? Crime went up, ventured a student. That's right. The professor wrote it on the chalkboard. We talked about economic opportunity before. With two major competitors gone Chat Noir and Hawk Moth criminals saw economic opportunity. Now, when criminal activity increases, the need for law enforcement increases. Paris hires more policemen, Ladybug engages in more dangerous situations. In fact, he hit a few buttons on his computer, frowning beneath his white moustache. This is a perfect example of negative economic consequences. The video was titled Five Times Ladybug Almost Died. Adrian felt his throat swell. Beside him, Marinette had taken a deep breath, her fingers gripping the armrests. And she wasn't alone the lecture hall's atmosphere had shifted from humorous to sombre. If you have a weak stomach, I suggest you close your eyes, said the professor and pressed play. The first clip wasn't bad. Ladybug swung away from an oncoming bus, narrowly avoiding being crushed against a building. Adrian let out a breath, bouncing his leg. The next three were similar, each worse than the last. A shootout beneath a bridge, chasing down a runaway speedboat, even a situation with three armed robbers in a bank lobby. After each one ended, Adrian had to remember to breathe again. Logically he knew he was being dramatic, but at the same time, that was his lady staring down the barrel of a gun, throwing herself in harm's way. But what really got him was the last clip. Ladybug was up against a dozen armed men, picking them off one by one. She managed to knock their guns away, but they had the number advantage. Adrian went still as one snuck up behind her, brandishing a knife. He grabbed one of her pigtails and yanked her backwards, slashing it over her throat. Gagging, Ladybug clamped her hand around her neck, using the other to swing herself away from the scene. The entire room went silent. There was a warmth on his arm. Adrian, calm down, Marinette told him. Reluctant to tear his eyes from the projector, Adrian looked at her. One hand was rubbing at the base of her throat, the other gripping his forearm. You're going to hyperventilate. Adrian stared down at his hands, breathing hard through his nose. His fingers were trembling. His entire body was trembling, and he couldn't get it to stop. I can't dash he swallowed, hating the numb feeling sweeping down his body. I gotta go. Swinging his bag onto his shoulder, he squeezed past her into the aisle and out the door. The cold air chilled his sweat, making him shake even harder. He scrubbed the back of his neck and closed his eyes, forcing his lungs to suck down enough air. Those men hadn't been akumas. They weren't trying to turn the whole world into candy or get rid of parents no, they were out for violence. They were trying to kill her, and had nearly succeeded. How she was still alive was a miracle. And the fact that she'd been doing it alone, without any sort of backup to turn to, was a serious feat of strength. Or a serious mess to deal with. When he opened his eyes again, Plaid was floating in front of him, paws crossed. Adrian spoke first. 
We have to get back out there. He was standing on the roof of his house, bouncing from foot to foot. I forgot about this part, he admitted with a dry laugh. Plagg was unamused. You say claws out and then start beating up bad guys. Not that, the, nervous part. Ah, that. Plagg snickered. That's because you're about to reunite with the girl you abandoned without reason. I'm sure she'll be ecstatic to see you. Five euros says you leave with a broken nose. Ladybug isn't violent, said Adrian, then thought back to the ladybug he'd witnessed the night before the cold, gritty ladybug. He scratched his nose. Sun setting, kid, is Chat Noir alive or not? Plague demanded. Adrian raked a hand through his hair, then twisted his ring back and forth. He shouldn't be this antsy. Chat Noir wasn't antsy, he was fearless. He was everything Paris needed, and everything Ladybug needed. Chat Noir was enough. He took a breath, made a fist, and said, claws out. Then he was glad he inhaled, because the uniform knocked the breath out of him. A sense of rightness seeped into his skin, making him feel good to be alive. It was a tighter fit than he remembered, but he could manage. For a moment he stood on the roof's edge, staring at the city that had been his home for so long. The weight of the baton in his hand, the heightened senses flooding his consciousness. He could smell the crepes cooking on the street, and hear the laughter of a party five blocks away. Then he saw the screen flickering on his baton and raised it. There were eight voicemails waiting in his inbox. Nostrils flared, he brought it to his ear. Hey, chat. It was like eavesdropping into the past, back when she was all positivity and courage. I'm at the Eiffel Tower, where are you? The next two were like it. Adrian sat down for the fourth one. Now you're just ignoring me. Her voice had gone hard. I don't know what's going on with you, but you better get back soon. You remember that gang I was telling you about last time? Well I found their base, and they've got a huge assembly line of hard substances in that warehouse. I need you on this one. Call me. Adrian tried to listen to the rest, but it was all the same. Anger, desperation, and at last, detachment. I don't know why I'm leaving these anymore. It's obvious you can't respond that or you don't want to. If it's the former, I hope you're okay. If it's the latter, I'm fine. I found my rhythm. She gave up on him. And he let her. Damn it. Closing the screen, Adrian wiped a hand down his face. Damn it damn it damn it. That nervousness he'd felt washed away, replaced with a hardened determination. The moon was high, now, casting the university in an eerie glow. Adrian turned his attention off campus, listening for an industrial-grade yo-yo. It wasn't long before he heard it, coming from the boatyard. Flipping his baton once, he shot into the night. As soon as he got into the air, Adrian couldn't understand why he gave up. The wind guided him along, showing him the fastest way. His hearing and sight were far more sensitive, picking up the smallest gasps from the people in the streets, the dimmest corners of the alleyways. He'd forgotten how much power the miraculous gave him, 
and how much he'd missed it. The thought made him falter, and he had to rush to find his balance. Craving power that's what made his father a supervillain. Adrian didn't want his thoughts mirroring his father's, no matter how slight the resemblance might be. He couldn't afford it. If he let himself think about it too much, he'd scare himself. He fixed his mind on the sound of that yo-yo and moved faster. The boatyard was a battlefield. Littered with unconscious or incapacitated bodies, the pungent smell of sewage hung heavy in the air. Chat listening for a sign of life, his ears flickering this way and that. After a long stretch of quiet, he cast aside precaution and dropped down to the docks. There were several shipping containers strewn across the damp cobblestone. He walked around one, gaping at the doors. They'd been wrenched open, the metal bent against its hinges. Chat extended his baton, crouching low to peer through the shadows. There was a lingering scent of fear, but no one inside. Whoever it was, they'd escaped. Behind him, someone groaned. Chat whirled, already on edge from the odd scene. The man was slumped against a shipping container, blood smeared on the metal above his head. He blinked slowly at Chat, throat bobbing. Look who finally showed up. His lips peeled back from his teeth in a crooked grin. Where's Ladybug? When the man stayed silent, Chat gripped his jacket collar and jerked him forward. The man's smile dropped. Tell me now. Hell if I know, the man rasped. But after this, the boss will be itching to get his hands on her. If she's smart, she's halfway to China. Disgusted, Chat dropped him back onto the stones. He found himself understanding Ladybug's change of approach. These criminals had a way of turning his stomach and hearing threats toward his lady. It took more strength than he was willing to admit to walk away. He followed the trail of shipping containers and bodies, doing his best to pick apart the scents clashing together. Police sirens whooped at his back, and Chap moved faster. The last thing he needed was police officers spotting him. Finally, he caught it the sharp tang of magic dissipating into the depths of the city. Chat vaulted up to the rooftops, struggling to stay upright on the shingles. The last time he'd done this, he was smaller, had less body weight to maneuver. Now he had to duck to avoid billboards, and put more effort into balancing on chimneys. He was stronger, but his agility wasn't on the level it needed to be. Teeth gritted, he sprung onto the next rooftop, chasing down that magic. He caught up with it in the city centre, outside the main police station. Officer Raincompricks and two older couples stood outside, huddled up against the wall to fight the chill of the night. Sabrina's dad was wringing his hands, and the couples couldn't stay still. The air was saturated with their nerves. Then Ladybug emerged from across the street, holding hands with two other girls. The couples surged forward, sobs breaking from their throats as they threw their arms around the girls. Amidst the tears and cries of gratitude, Ladybug gave Officer Raincomprix a solemn, two-fingered salute. She left before he could return it. From his perch behind a gargoyle, Chat tracked her movements as far as Sekakawa before launching himself after her. He forgot how fast she was. Keeping up with her was near impossible, 
his lungs close to bursting by the time they crossed the Seine. But Ladybug didn't stop, and neither would chat. He had to let her know she wasn't alone anymore, let her know how sorry he was for leaving in the first place. At last, she stopped atop a packaging warehouse. Chat landed in the middle of the roof, huffing at the ridiculous amount of obstructions scattered across it. With so many pipes and generators, Ladybug had plenty of hiding spots. But Chat had the advantage. Relying on his keen eyesight and sensitive nose, he tracked her as far as the northeast side, letting his baton shorten to its usual length. My lady, he ventured, voice catching on the nickname. A metallic click sounded behind him, making his heart drop. He spun around. And came face to face with the end of a gun. You're not the first person who's tried to take Chatnoir's place. Ladybug raised her chin, holding the pistol in both hands. There was no uncertainty to her expression, just cool composure. The costume is a bit more accurate but you've got the build all wrong. Who are you? Chat's mouth went dry, gaze bouncing from Ladybug's narrowed blue eyes to the red and black spotted gun a lucky charm, if the pattern was anything to go by. Since when have Ladybug's lucky charms been weapons of mass destruction? I'm sorry I left. This time, he didn't bother hiding his sincerity. Ladybug's grasp on the pistol faltered. If I could do it all over again. I would have told you everything. I would have stayed. Ladybug clicked her tongue. Well, this is a first. I haven't had any copycats quote scripts before. Should I be flattered? Hawkmoth didn't surrender, Chat continued, his voice raw and pleading. Put the gun down, open your eyes, see me. I figured out who it was and took it from them. But they were someone close to me and I couldn't deal with that kind of betrayal. I forged the note of surrender and got them out of the city. The way I thought about it, if the Akumas were gone, Ladybug and Chat Noir weren't needed anymore. So I left. You left. Ladybug scoffed, her mouth pinched at the corners. I'm going to ask you one more time. Who are you? Chat stepped closer, and Ladybug's eyes widened. The barrel of the gun was cold against his chest. July 17th, our first patrol together. You accidentally lassoed me, and we almost split our heads open on the pavement. From the moment I met you, I knew you were the only partner I ever wanted to fight with. Ladybug didn't move, so he went on. March 8th, when I set up a date for you. You rejected me, and it stung more than anything else I'd ever experienced. That's when I knew how much I cared about you, and how badly I wanted to be near you, whether I was a friend or, or something else. May 21st was the last time I saw you, he said. I left to deal with Hawkmoth, and I stayed away because I didn't want to make Paris worse. And then it got worse all on its own. On its own? Ladybug ground out, pressing the gun into his sternum. No, Chat Noir, you don't get to dodge that bullet. Paris got worse because of you. It got worse because you left, you and your cataclysm, and then the criminals had no one to be scared of. Do you know how much time it took to make them fear me? Do you know what I had to do, the sort of messages I had to leave? 
She threw her arms wide and took a few steps backward, chest heaving. Just look at me. Chat did. There was blood splattered over the side of her neck, a bruise forming on her left cheek. Her yo-yo was strung around her waist, but she was still holding the gun. The gun she dropped with a muffled shriek of frustration. We're not heroes anymore, she whispered wetly. It became hard for him to breathe. Of course we're heroes. You'll always be a hero dash. Heroes don't have blood on their hands, chat. Her hair had come undone, and she flicked it back behind her shoulder. Chat glimpsed bits of red streaked through it. And heroes don't abandon their people. I don't want you in my city. I don't want you giving the public false hope. Please, just leave. Do you hear yourself right now? Chat snapped. I'm here to help you. You need backup, someone else covering for you. Behind her mask, Ladybug's eyes narrowed. I need someone trustworthy, chat, not you. She might as well have ripped his heart out of his ribcage. Chat's knees buckled, and he had to extend his baton to stay standing. This was not his lady, glaring at him as if he were the scum of the earth. This was, this was. Your fault. I should have stayed. Ladybug crossed her arms. You should have. But I'm not leaving. For a split second, he was convinced she was going to pick up that gun and shoot him in the head. This isn't your city anymore. You made that perfectly clear. Hawkmoth's gone because of me, he told her, raising his voice. I left to deal with him, and before that, I defended Paris for years. I have as much claim to this city as you do. Ladybug opened her mouth, but he added, besides, the public's already seen me. And if they found out you're responsible for sending me away, do you really think they'll forgive you? The warmth seeped from her face, leaving her pale and furious. Are you blackmailing me? Whatever works. He raised an eyebrow, both hands braced on his baton. It was her move. For a moment she just stood there, hands balled into fists. The muscles in her jaw spasmed as she clenched it tighter, pacing this way and that in the moonlight. Normally, she was beautiful but an angry ladybug threatened to completely take his breath away. If not for the fact it was him she was angry with. Don't expect me to get along with you, she seethed, stomping close enough to make herself heard. I don't like you, I don't trust you, and I have absolutely no desire to work with you. The only reason I'm even letting you stay is because the people need you right now. Her expression soured as if the words pained her to speak aloud and I have rules. I'm listening, he said stiffly. I already have projects I'm working on, situations I've been researching for weeks. I know their organizations inside and out, so I'm the one who needs to deal with them. You, she shoved his shoulder too hard to be civil, and he snarled, get to deal with the groundwork. Getting cats out of trees, helping people with their groceries, the works. He puffed out his chest, shoulders squared. I'm not letting you work alone. You don't have a choice. These people have watched me get my ass kicked every other day, she said, gesturing to the townhouses lining the street. 
they need someone to distract them from everything lurking in their backyards. Oh, so I'm a distraction now. Ladybug put her hands on her hips. Until five minutes ago, you were a deserter, she said. You've got a lot of ground to make up for. Chat wanted to protest, but he couldn't stand the way she was looking at him. There was nothing he could say to make it right, nothing that would convince her of his remorse. Maybe she had a point. Maybe he needed to repair his reputation before he jumped back into the action. Grudgingly, she stretched out her hand. Dill? The image of Ladybug's slashed throat popped uncontrollably into his head, the red blooming between her fingers, the panicked look in her eye. Even as he took her hand and agreed, he knew it was a lie. And judging by the hard set of her jaw, Ladybug knew it, too. Chapter 6 Ladybugs are easy to smush. Why can't Nino just be super rich? Olia groaned, hanging backwards off her bed. Then I can be a trophy wife and never write an essay for the rest of my life. Lying face down on the cheap carpet, Marinette pulled her laptop closer and added a few lines to her own essay. If you need a backup plan, I'm sure Adrian would oblige. Olia hummed thoughtfully. Do you think Nino would fight for me? Oh, for sure. They'd have a full-on boxing match over you, said Marinette through a smile. Bet you'd like to see Adrian shirtless. Olia raised a suggestive brow. Marinette scoffed. Seriously? I've been over him for a while, Olia. Seeing Adrian shirtless is not on my list of things to do. This essay, however, she flicked the edge of her laptop screen, is definitely on there. I've got a plan. Olya sat up, grabbing for her phone. You marry Adrian, get all his money, and then let me and Nino move in. Then we can pull a Kardashian and have a film crew follow us around. I already know what our first topic could be. Clearing her throat, Olya combed the hair back from her face and plastered on a scowl. Marinette ate the last salad with low-fat dressing. My entire diet is ruined. Humming, Marinette tapped her chin. Try it again, but with a bit more wine. Olia made a sound like a dying whale, and both of them collapsed into laughter. Marinette's back aches in protest, but she couldn't help herself. It had been so long since it was just her and Olia being ridiculous, and even if there was homework to do. Marinette was going to make the best of every chance she got. Especially with the amount of death threats Ladybug incurred. Watching that video in class yesterday had reminded her of how close she'd come to death, and those instances weren't even the worst ones. There was the time her entire side had been split open, or when a bullet nearly shattered her femur. Tiki did her best to mend the injuries and hide the scars, but that took a toll on the little Kwame. Marinette pretended not to notice Tiki slowing down, and Tiki did the same for her. They were in an impossible situation that would eventually end in disaster. Marinette peeked up at Olya, who was still scrolling on her phone. What would her friend think if one day she just, disappeared? Would she see Ladybug's death and manage to connect the dots, or would she believe Marinette abandoned her? There was a part of her that wanted to tell Olya everything. But she knew if she did, and anyone caught wind, Olya would be just as doomed as Ladybug. Holy crap. 
Olya jerked her phone closer to her face, eyes bulging out from behind her glasses. Chat noirs back. Mouth souring, Marinette groaned. Shocker. Why are you so moody today? Chat noirs alive, Olya tried again, shoving the screen into her face. Marinette scrunched her nose at the leather-clad superhero, doing an acrobatic trick off a lamppost. His million-watt grin hadn't changed. Chat noir ditched Ladybug, said Marinette matter-of-factly. I'm not supporting him. Olya frowned, a hand propped on her hip. It's not like we know the circumstances, Marie. He probably had important superhero stuff to take care of. While Ladybug took on a small army. The words bubbled in her throat, but she pressed her lips together and settled for a simple head shake. It doesn't feel right to me. She shrugged. Are you going to interview him for the Ladyblog? Every reporter in the city is going to be gunning for an interview, said Olya, shoulders slumped. I might be able to squeeze in at the end of the first wave, but I'm not hoping for anything more. After Hawkmoth surrendered, my readers kind of dropped. The villains got too scary, I guess. It's much easier to watch Ladybug get thrown around by an overgrown toddler instead of getting her skull bashed in by an arms dealer. The casual way she said it made Marinette's skin crawl. But why should it? The situation she described was far from uncommon. Still, sometimes she missed the Akuma days. Back when her miraculous ladybug worked, and everything could be undone. Back when the Parisians looked to her as a symbol of peace instead of brutality. I have an interview scheduled with Ladybug tomorrow, though. Olya's words made Marinette freeze. She has some sort of PSA for the community, I guess. I can ask her about the stuff with Chatmoir then. That's a good idea, said Marinette, mentally slapping herself. She planned that interview a week ago, before Chatmoir made his spectacular return. Talk about taking the spotlight. Typical chat. Horrified, she stopped her train of thought there. No, that wasn't typical chat because she didn't even know who Chat was in anymore. The Chat she knew would never walk away from her, or from Paris. The Chat she knew wasn't a coward. Olya dropped down beside her, laying her head on the small of Marinette's back. White-hot pain flushed down her spine, and Marinette bit her tongue until it bled. Is it Adrian? she asked softly. Marinette forced herself to focus on adding to her essay. What do you mean? The past few days you've been, weird. Olya shifted, and Marinette had to clap a hand over her mouth to stifle her whimper. And you were right the other day Adrian did sort of ditch us. Sure, he can blame his dad, but he was 18. He had the right to make his own decision, and he didn't choose us. Marinette heard the unspoken comment, he didn't choose you. School is really stressful, Marinette managed, her voice dead of any sort of emotion. And with all the bakery stuff on top of assignments, I think it's a harder workload than I was anticipating. That's all? That's all. Olya pushed off her back, and Marinette breathed a sigh of relief. If you need any help over there, just let us know, she said wholeheartedly. Nino and I are willing to get down and dirty in the flower for you. 
Marinette tried for a laugh, and it came out more choked than she intended. I'll keep that in mind. Olya scooted closer so they were face to face, her expression so concerned it made Marinette's stomach turn. I'm serious, Marie. I'm here for you, no matter what. She pressed a kiss to Marinette's forehead, hands smoothing back her hair. Marinette blinked against the sudden stinging in her eyes, hating the way her mind automatically reminded her of Marmon. I know. Shoot. Olya scrambled to her feet, lunging for her laptop and backpack. I've got a class in five minutes. You have a spare key to lock up, right? Rolling her eyes fondly, Marinette lifted her keyring and shook it once for good measure. Sweet, feel free to grab some snacks or anything, see you later, love you. She slammed the door, and the newspaper clippings taped to the wall trembled. Tiki balanced near the trackpad of Marinette's computer, her posture unusually hard. Marinette, she ventured, voice thin and reedy. I hate seeing you like this, and I know it's because of him. Do you want to talk? What's there to talk about? She rubbed her eyes. He's back. That's all there is to it. How do you feel about it? Marinette laughed hoarsely, pushing up to her knees. Her back arched, her soul ached. She clawed a hand over her heart as if to smother any scrap of affection. He broke my heart, Tiki, and now I'm supposed to work with him. As if nothing ever happened. A few months ago, I would have done anything for him. Anything. Because no matter what happened to Paris, there was always us. I always had someone to turn to, and then he got up and left. And I'm supposed to be okay with that. Marinette bit her lip, swallowing down the sob building in her throat. The next time she spoke, her voice was dry. I'll let him have what he wants attention. The public is happy to give it to him, anyhow. But Paris will always be mine, not his. I swore to protect this city from any threat, and that includes Chat Noir. Tiki didn't move, even as tears trickled down her round cheeks. She nodded once, and it was enough. I'm sorry, Marinette. This wasn't supposed to happen. I know. Marinette wrapped her arms around herself, rocking back onto her heels. There was nothing either of them could do to make it better besides what they did best. Fight. When Marinette left for patrol, it was raining. The thunder echoed in her bones, pushing her to move faster, jump higher. Lightning struck the ground around the city, making the rooftops shine with electricity. Ladybug laid in wait above the boatyard, raindrops biting at her face. She didn't move a muscle. A black SUV pulled up amidst the scattered shipping containers. Three men hopped out, the last one offering his hand to the passenger. Alec Allery stepped out, groomed facial hair set in a perfect frown. Someone pulled open an umbrella and held it over his head, protecting his fancy suit. Ladybug had been following Allery for a long time now. She recognized him from the drug bust she made back in July, but her slit throat had demanded most of her attention. She'd only caught up with him in the past couple days, in the case of the two girls. Apparently, he'd been working in the dark for a while, now, 
his trafficking activities covered up by well-paid lawyers and bribed law enforcement. Those two young girls hadn't been the first. What is this? He cast a hand at the shipping containers, at the wrenched open metal. In costume, Ladybug's strength was easily fifty times that of an average woman. And those girls had deserved every ounce of strength she could offer. The bug, said one of the bodyguards bitterly. Allery stroked his beard. We only lost two, he said, tone dangerously even. No more. No more, the bodyguards agreed. Ladybug pulled her yo-yo off her hip, nostrils flared as she readied herself. All it would take was one good toss to lasso Allery, to yank him up and carry him off to the station. Raincompricks Pricks would believe her all of Paris would believe her. Because even if she was ruthless, she was always right. Just before she threw it, Allery's gaze snapped up to hers. Stunned, she inhaled a sharp breath. Goodbye, he mouthed. Too slow, Ladybug scanned the horizon, her heart skipping a beat at the shadow of a figure squatting on the opposite roof. More importantly, the shadow of the rifle in his hands. The gunshot echoed for blocks, shattering the calm of the rain. Fire exploded through her shoulder, the impact strong enough to knock her flat on her back. Ladybug couldn't help the scream ripping out of her lungs, full of outrage and terror. The stone bit into her back, the metallic scent of her blood permeating the air. There could be more of them, she knew. She had to run, but she couldn't move, couldn't breathe. Olia told her she loved her. Marinette Haddon said it back. Something hard and warm crouched over her, dripped with rainwater. You're okay, Chat rasped, even as Ladybug writhed in pain. I got you. His hand went under her knees and her back, and the sheer agony took her breath away. She couldn't think past the blood burning her nostrils, the bolts of heat blazing through her back. Chat's green eyes glowed in the dimness, filled with regret. There was a question in his eyes, a promise that he would listen to her decision. If her pride had anything to say, she would have refused him. But Paris still needed her. Her time wasn't over yet. She leaned her head against his chest, and he understood. They were off the roof in record time, his strength never failing. In his arms, she was safe. For now, 